Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Thanks for tuning in to another recording. We're grateful that you stopped in. Uh, Man, first, Brian and I have been doing a lot of work with individuals, helping them go down their own uncommon path. So I cannot wait to record this show and get the one and only Kathy Davis on the show, unpack her story a little bit, and then hopefully this encourages you to go down this path. So Brian, let's start with the bio. Then I want to get Kathy on the show, and then let's get this going. All right. Well, we are talking about the one and only Dwayne and Kathy. Uh, we only have Kathy with us today, though. So, uh, But Dwayne and Kathy live the uncommon life in central Iowa and homeschool their four children. Uh, Dwayne broke out of the golden handcuff, handcuffs in August 2020, and they use multifamily properties to, uh, to live their uncommon life and generate residual income. So welcome to the show, Kathy Davis. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. You know, it's funny because we got introduced to Dwayne and Kathy. And from the immediate, we were like kindred spirits. And from the bio, you can tell why. Uh, Dwayne was actually working at a fairly big organization and felt like there's got to be a different thing to do. or There's got to be a better way. So, Kathy, you're obviously like on the front seat to this and you've always been uncommon. But let's talk about that. When Dwayne came home from an amazing job and said, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Tell me that thought process and tell me what you were doing and how you were processing that together. Well, he did. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed what he did for a long time and uh, really liked the challenges and liked the environment and liked who he was working with and all those things. And uh, as most people who spend time in corporate America know, there is lots of, what should I say, like reorging. We're constantly reorging. Mm-hmm. And he used to be able to pick out really good when he could see a reorg coming and brace himself for it and shift and, and adapt. Uh, and then it just, it just got to where the cycle of reorging was sucking the joy out of his life, constant layoffs, and then turn around and we have to rehire. We have this money now we need to rehire. And just that cycle uh, really started to wear on him. And there just became a point where he, and I, we kind of, I could see it coming, um, you know, and we, I didn't know any other way. We didn't know any other way. And so it would always leave, you know, these cycles and stuff would leave us kind of panicking uh, because he also, and and I think a lot of people experience this um, when they spend time in corporate America, but he kind of worked his way into kind of a corner where his skills were maybe not as adaptable as you know you know jumping to other companies uh, it would appear that he could do that but he just didn't feel confident that that would be um you know that that would be the case that his skill set was becoming 
more and more refined rather than expanded. So this was probably the last seven years. Uh, he just, he just, things were getting worse and worse. And, um, and I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually about seven years beforehand. And I just was blown away by just the simple idea of you, you know, coming up with enough residual passive income to be able to step away from that salaried job. And I had filed the ideas away in the back of my head, not really thinking that we would, you know, eventually do that because I know enough about marriage and how it works that I knew I would have to have Dwayne's full buy-in for us to do something like that. Well, he got miserable enough that I said, Hey, you know, what about you indoctrinated him? I did. I did. And, uh, we had actually, uh, met with, a an Edward Jones guy and he had, you know, put our financial picture up on the board like they do. And, and we didn't have very much, uh, real estate. We had very little real estate in our portfolio. And when we walked out of that meeting, Dwayne turned to me and said, what do you think about getting some rentals? And I said, that's exactly what I want to do. I said, you know, let's do it. And so I was already kind of in that mindset and knew that that could potentially be what his ticket out of the golden handcuffs um, would look like. And so uh, we did have a couple close friends that had real estate or rentals. And because we knew nothing, we literally knew nothing. Both of our mm -hmm. parents had had maybe one rental growing up, um, but it wasn't the, you know, either of our parents' thing. It was like and, a side hustle, um, maybe more. Well, it was, it was for my, for my husband's family, it was just a, uh, yeah, a little side hustle thing that his grandma lived in. And then, and it was like two apartments. And so they rented out the other one. And for gotcha. my parents, it was my grandparents' house. My mom tried renting it for a while. And so we'd had very little exposure to that. And my husband had, had all of his career had been behind, for the most part, had been behind a computer. And you just get, it, I mean, I hear about it going the other way, but you just get sick of that. And right. so the idea of doing things with his hands um, and fixing things. And he's, he's good at that stuff anyway, uh, adapting and figuring those things out. But he, that, that appealed to him that totally sure. appealed to him. And so we start looking and in uh, uh, rich dad, poor dad, he says, find your niche, you know, mm -hmm. find, find what your niche is. And so we start, actually it was me because Dwayne was still working all the time. Um, I started looking at houses, you know, single, single family houses. And I, I just, we didn't see anything. I would bring home, you know, options and it just didn't it takes time. resonating with us. It does. Yeah. And I kept thinking that in the back of my head, we have to find our niche. There's gotta be some niche. And uh, an eightplex in a neighboring town came up for sale and we actually didn't even see it. It was our, our neighbor that has other rentals. He said, hey, this would be a good fit for you guys. And I think you could do this. And if you don't buy it, I will. And yeah. um, I think and there's so an important lesson there that you, you know, verbalized your intentions with other people, you know, yeah. that, that helped bring that first property to the table, which 
can typically be a dangerous thing, but like they were already in the rental business. You know, a lot of times you tell your family, Hey, I have an idea and they're, <laughs> they don't have any experience with that. And then they shoot it down. You know, they take the bone arrow in their hand and they just shoot at it. Um, and so, but when you get around the right people and like-mindedness, you know, you can actually find, find the opportunities that you're looking for, you know, a lot easier. But I think one of the principles that we see a lot is, especially with real estate is you've got to look at several deals to probably get your first one. And a lot of people quit, you know, oh, like heard some people, you know, oh, we made an offer and it didn't work. And then they just totally quit, you know? And so I think that was a big part of your guys's testimony uh, with this is that you were just kind of relentless. Yeah, definitely. We, and that was something else that was really helpful out of rich dad, poor dad is he said, get in the habit of looking at stuff. And I try to tell mm-hmm. um, friends that I know that are thinking about this. Like, even if you're a long ways from pulling the trigger, look at this stuff every day, just look at right. a few listings, look at a few things and, you know, I think that's true of like car shopping or anything. If you, even if you're a long ways away from being ready to buy something, at least you know what you're looking at. It's kind of an, it's an education. And so then when we, then when the deal we wanted came through, we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, you were ready. You know, we, we, we'd seen lots of single family houses that were uh, for what we paid for this eight plex. And so, uh, no brand. That was a no so you were you were kind of talking about your niche, and I alluded to it in your bio. Um, but you guys have, I think, carved out a niche in real estate, and I want you guys want you to talk a little bit more about that because I mean, I live in a smaller town, uh, similar to where you know you guys are renting, and um, yeah, I think Actually, you guys have done a over. good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you guys have done a good job. So, kind of talk about what you were looking for, I know you don't want to create competition in the marketplace for your niche, but um, yeah, just kind of talk about uh, how you have carved out your niche and what it is. Uh, every small town in Iowa, and I assume this is probably around the Midwest, uh, there was a time period in the late 70s, early 80s, when the USDA came in and built uh, one-story apartments um, and they come in varying sizes, depending on the size of the town. Most of them come in, in, in an eightplex. And they were originally run by non a lot of, in a lot of cases, they were run by nonprofits, uh, a small board of, of people in the town. Um, it's kind of maybe senior housing uh, is was the original t- intent. And someone told me once, and the USDA uh, subsidized a lot of these uh, because they... Uh, retired the wives of uh, retired farmers or widowed um, widowed farm wives needed a place to live or so that's what was perceived as being the case and so what's happened over time is that's not really a need anymore Um, it's not really meeting the original need and so and the and the nonprofit side of it, or the small board of people that were in charge of it, no longer want to do that, and no one wants to step in. And so, slowly over time, or just to whatever whatever led to the decision, the nonprofit dissolved and they sold the property. Well, you know, this is every scenario looks a little different across the state because um, we've run into, you know, a few different scenarios, but. Actually, our original purchase, I'm not sure really, it was intended to be senior housing. Um, 
but it's been it's been owned privately we're probably the fourth owners of it and so that's kind of what we started looking for are these you know one story plexes sometimes they're as small as four apartments in a thing sometimes it's as many as oh man where you live brian isn't there i think there's a 24 yeah yeah i think there's a 24 on one side of town (laughs) so they vary in size but that's kind of the gist and what we like is the we like a lot of things about them. Um, they're pretty straightforward to operate. Uh, you know, pretty, really, really easy um, to get tenants uh, because it's pretty affordable and just a simple, a simple yeah. setup. And, and and small town, small town Iowa is relatively quiet. So yeah, people, people pay like their bills, too. treat the property yep. decent, stay a while. Yep. 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 So how do you get knowledgeable on something you've never been knowledgeable before? (laughs) You just jump in head first, like hope the water's deep enough. Like, how do you do that? Well, you set aside a lot of fear, you know, (laughs) and I, (laughs) you just have to push the fear aside. And I think being um, kind of not, we weren't desperate, but we really wanted this to work. We really, really wanted it to work. And we, um, we're confident in our abilities to figure it out. And you do, there's, there's no shortcut to learning. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no sh- shortcut to learning these things. So you just did through different experiences. It's like, Oh, okay. And ho- like when we, we'd only own the property a couple weeks. And for some reason I had a plumber out there. I think it was to, um, redo some of the shower heads and the plumber happened to say something about oh hey let's take a look at uh your water fixture that comes in from the street and how it, it supplies this plex okay so we hadn't seen that when we had done the walkthrough of the property before buying it but i knew where it was and we unlocked the door and <laughs> the plumber says um that's about to blow he said, oh. see how that's dripping? It was the original Jeez. fixture and it was on the brink of total water explosion. It was all <sighs> rusted and leaking. And so he said, um, you need that replaced and you need that replaced right now. And he said, I am going to, he moved us up on the schedule because they originally wouldn't have had time to schedule it and brought, um, wow. you know, brought a couple guys that day. And, and so, it, you know, we had to shut off waters the whole plex that day. And so they got it done in a few hours but anyway all that to say like there's things like that that you just learn through the hard knocks you know <laughs> and where was is Dwayne still working in his big company at this point or did he now at that quit? point he was okay. but we figured out we quickly figured out how much um how many we needed to own for him to leave we knew what right. our you know you figure out we what your monthly your income was. is yeah. And so then it just became, okay, if this is what we can, what kind of profit we can see for each one of these, um, what's how many, it's just a numbers game at that point. And, and we liked it. We liked what we were doing. So that helped. Um, and then, and also, and this, you know, I think is important for people to know <laughs> if you want something is probably it, it, it may not come up on the market <laughs> you know and and that was the only the first one we bought was the only one that was on the market everything else we bought after that we had to go asking owners for 
we nice. would figure out who the owner was and um, just approach them and say, hey, are you willing to sell? You know, what's the worst thing they're going to say? It's, no, no. You know, which yeah, you, right. if you don't ask, it's going to be a no anyway. That's great. So, That's great. Now that you've carved out this niche, you have a lot more confidence going to these these people in these towns because yeah. you know we know what we're dealing with. We know we can maintain it. We know it can be a good positive thing for the town, the community. Yeah. And yeah. now you're kind of like a, a leader in that uh, yeah. as you go and approach these other buildings that are coming up for sale. Right. And some of them, um, if they are still owned, the second one we bought was still owned by the nonprofit. It was still in nonprofit status. And so, you know, one of the things we realized through that process was, Hey, now this is a taxable property in the town because before it wasn't collecting any property mm. tax. So there are some, if you can find whatever you're wanting to work through, if you can find out how the other party benefits, that goes a long ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask this because I think there's definitely a fun answer here. How have you educated your children through this as you've been going down this uncommon path? Like obviously you homeschool, so I feel like this is kind of an alley hoop. But how have they learned and seen you and Dwayne changed and evolved through this process? And how do you think their lives are impacted because of your, you know, your your trajectory? Um, I think I think they've done a fair amount of eye rolling. Um, like yeah. oh here here's mom and dad again going again. Um, but it's helped it's it's walking that uncommon path i think stepping outside of the box um, i'm the kind of person that i don't assume that because everyone else is doing it that it's the best or that it's right or mm. right for us um i'm very contrarian in my view about that and so my kids to some extent are, are used to that but they saw you know they saw their dad's desperation to leave and so um that we didn't just sit around and complain and uh wring our hands and say oh you know what i guess we're just gonna have to live with this no we said okay we're gonna come up with a plan and they watched us they watched us fight through that plan because there was lots of up and downs <laughs> and so um <laughs> i mean the number of times that we um you know we'd hear no we'd approach different we we think we'd have a pretty good, uh, pretty good option. And we'd approach somebody and they'd say no and okay, back to the drawing board. What else can we do? What else can we do? Mm. And, um, and so that's been, I think just that perseverance and knowing that just because someone's, you know, someone is successful because they fought for it, not because it got handed to them. Right. Disciplined. Okay. Yeah. So I think this is a fun question and you kind of alluded to it. What was, has there been like a couple of days where you were like, what are we doing? <laughs> and what were those and how did you get through those <laughs> um there's been a lot of those the one day with the plumbing was was uh, a top one another one was uh having a tenant oh you know like i said you just learn these things the hard way we had a tenant that was a uh, a convicted felon and uh he was really trying to get his feet back underneath him and he was nicest guy man he was a nice guy and uh a really great liar, an unbelievable mm. liar. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I could fill your show with that story, but it, in the end, uh, that was one of the moments where it's like, wow, we, we learned the hard way. He, you know, 
<laughs> not to trust everybody and not to maybe uh, believe their story. But uh, <laughs> there's that. And then, yeah, we've had some, we've had some really interesting um, tenant situations. And uh, yeah, and then there, this Christmas, Christmas Day, we had a tenant um, call with a, a backed up, backed up toilet. And she said she hadn't flushed anything down there. And sure enough, my husband pulls out, my husband and our neighbor pull out these flushable wipes and mm. like, yeah, that's it. That doesn't work either, but that was our, our Christmas day call. So, <laughs> uh. you know, if, <laughs> but if, you know, it's just any job has its downsides. And if you just know that that's what the, the, it comes with the territory, that's what, right. we, that's mm. what it is. It is what it is. And in the end, and it's, it's my view of homeschooling too. I don't love homeschooling. It's actually a day to day. I do not enjoy, but I love the fruit of it. And this is the same thing, man. I love the fruit of the freedom that we have in our schedule and I would not give that up for anything. And I, I don't think there's a single day that my husband wishes that he could go back and sit in a mind numbing meeting and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and uh, spend his time doing things that he just really feels like are not worth it. So. Gosh, it's so good. So good. It's interesting because I think a lot of people think about passive income and they start getting this allure to passive income. Right. Would you call it passive income? Because it doesn't sound like it is. And Brian and I always say like, it's actually the last thing that we would say is passive. Maybe we're passion right. income. <laughs> but yes. even that, you know, there's hard work involved. And so, okay. So now knowing back, you know, back when you're like, oh, passive income, Robert Kiyosaki, great. Right. Now right. where you're at, what would you call that? <laughs> Would you call it passive? No, I would almost say in a lot of ways, and you guys probably agree with this, it's it's more work. It's possibly more work, but yeah, passive probably isn't the best. I did a Facebook post on this. Passive probably isn't the best term for it because people think, yeah, money just rolls in, but it's it's freedom of schedule. It's freedom with how taking the reins of your life and, and, you know, putting your energy and efforts into things that you choose to do and you dictate your time. And yes, it's work. It is sometimes, like I said, work on Christmas day, but you're in charge of that, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe, it is, it is <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's not passive, but it, it is in the fact that you're not punching a clock, you know, yeah. we, we get rent, even if, um, even if we're not, you know, working the apartments that day, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So, yeah. And you're managing these properties yourself, uh, you know, keeping that cost, so to speak, or that responsibility, you know, and I think like once, you know, that maybe that were to shift away or you had somebody else manage the properties, then I could see maybe yeah. it being a little bit more residual yes. income. But, um, you know, also yeah. there comes with the trade-off of that, you know, of how well they're managed, you know, how yes. well the uh, asset is optimized, that type of thing. So, you know, everything has yes. a risk-reward trade-off yep. on that front. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a day when we will probably want to be more hands-off, but... Mm -hmm. Right now, we're at a viewpoint where we've seen those managed some of the fruit of that managed properties, and they aren't managed like the owner would do it. It's just 
you know, it just isn't as handled as well as when it's their, you know, their blood, sweat and tears into it. So no one's going to care as much as you guys care. Right. 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 But there's a trade-off because it is, it is our time and our effort. And, um, and so that, that, that's the trade-off, but we're hoping our kids will. (laughs) How many properties did you decide you guys needed for Dwayne to quit his job? At the beginning. Was our 40. magic number 40. 40 yeah. doors, 40 units, you mean? 40 doors. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. And how many do you have now currently? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, because we do a, a couple of our, actually three, three of our properties, we owned 50-50 with a neighbor. And so those are not 100% ours. And um, so because we have half ownership with our neighbor, we actually are responsible for more than that um, mm-hmm. because of the half ownership. And, um, and that, you know, that's one of those things I wouldn't go into that with just anybody, that kind of arrangement, but we've, we've known them for years and just Made adore them. They've been, yeah. And it's just the, it's the personalities um, have worked really well. And that kind of thing too, we started with just buying one property with them and um, and, you know, tested the waters. Let's see how this works out. Well, it's working out pretty good. Okay. So let's do this right. again. And, and then we're able to, um, we're able to work our, our giftings, um, the things that we're good at, the things that they're good at, those work together better and have somebody to fill in when, cause they like to travel a lot and we like to get away once in a while too. So can fill in for each other. Smart. So what's the future for you and Dwayne? How many do you want? How many do you need? What's what looks when you look in the future, what does it look like? Um I we are probably, I don't know. There's a there's another 17 we're eyeing, but uh, right now it's not for sale. Um and I and I think that's kind of the situation as far as rentals go. If we saw something, um, if we saw a good deal, we'd jump on it. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of now trying to lean into um, some different avenues. We've been dabbling in storage units and Airbnbs, um, mm-hmm. Airbnb singular, and we're really kind of liking that. Um, and so I think once you get the idea, and I, you know, term passive income probably isn't the best, but that kind of business, um, man. You look at everything differently. You look at car washes differently. You look at laundromats differently, vending machines. Um, Right. But you guys have kind of that foundation built with the main portfolio that allows you now to kind of look at these other opportunities. Right. Right. And, (laughs) you know, what we do, it's, it's not for lack of a better term. It's not sexy. Like people don't think, Oh, wow. You know, they got a really, really flashy property mm-hmm. but we don't care <laughs> yeah. i don't care that what i do isn't isn't what everybody's flocking to because you know people tend to the kind of properties that we buy people look over well at the end of the day what matters is what kind of income does that bring in and it's your niche it's your niche yeah. it's great yeah so well very good Mm-mm. okay so what would what would your advice be to somebody who's like got a job 
and like kind of is like, oh, man, I don't love my job anymore and I can't do another meeting. What would your advice be to them? Um, and this is, well, when people ask me about calling you guys, uh, mm-hmm. they say, well, are they automatically going to tell me to do rentals? And I said, no, they're not. Right. They help people find what their passion is, what their gifting is. And I think that's probably the first step is figuring out if you could spend your time doing anything, what would it be? And, you know, stepping into that kind of plan and figuring out, okay, how, how would I make this make money? How could I, you know, how could I work this to produce an income that can sustain us? And it might be doing something like a rental, at least to get you going. You know, I think that's what's so amazing about um, what you guys do is you help people put legs on their dreams Mm. and say, okay, how do you do this? What what is step one? I was telling a a friend or somebody I'd met that, you know, about what we were doing. And that at that time, that was the, that was the Dwayne was going to be leaving his job the next month. And I said, well, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and he, and I tell him about what we're doing. And he turns to me and he says, oh, so you actually did something with the information. Yes. You actually yes. moved forward. And I think that that is, you know, that's the biggest thing is figure out what you want to do. And, and, you know, you're not married to it. Mm-hmm. If you, you need to adapt, if you need to change, do that. But I think le- looking at all these things as an education and a journey and a process rather than wow, tomorrow when I wake up, I want to be able to leave my job and have just this great, fantastic side income. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the journey and process. We are so discouraged from failure. Um, Yeah. You know, such a pressure (laughs) for everything to be good or bad. I feel like instead of like just a stepping stone to, you know, a filtering process to yeah. finding out what you're really great at. So I really appreciate you saying that because we do get a lot of people who are like, Oh, do I have to do rental properties now? If I meet with you guys, and <laughs> no, you don't actually, you no. don't. But uh, yeah, we do try to meet people where they're at and, and align with their passions and giftings and skill sets. And sometimes that's real estate and sometimes it's not. So it's fun right. to uncover that. Right. And I was, I was, I had a friend recommend your podcast and, uh, and so I started listening to it and I'm like, oh, these guys speak my language. Like this, <laughs> yes. this is what the world needs is, you know, there's a disc, there's such a disconnect between say a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, uh, and reality. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to put legs on that? How are you going to make that really happen? Not just a someday, not just a, you know, far off dream, but uh, what are you going to do today that makes that goal closer than it was yesterday? Yeah. So good. Cause in our book, it's funny. We talk about uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And one of the things that we think is lacking in Robert Kiyosaki is a true plan to get you there. Like, yes, it's, it's just weird. It just doesn't, he doesn't really like get you. It's, it's great ethereal, but, but at the end of the day, I love what the guy said to you. Oh, you actually did it. Like, yeah, that's the power yes. It's doing something with it. Not just reading it on a piece yeah, of paper yeah. and putting it back on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. 
But and you two are doing it. And yeah. that's the thing that I think is powerful is like, hey, the last thing we're going to tell you, this is going to be a smooth process and a smooth road. But yeah. what we are telling you is after you jump off the bridge, you won't ever look back and be like, I wish I was back on the bridge. Because all you can do is just go float yourself on another bridge if you want to end up doing that. Like, yes. Yeah. And, and the powerful thing, I think, is understanding, you know, your gifts and, you know, your good and bad experiences, your trials and working through those together is leaps and bounds. You're learning way more than you ever would be just at yeah. like the cubicle doom job. So yeah. you it's, and Dwayne you are feel doing alive. It. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's what makes you feel alive. And that I felt like the day that he left his job, I felt like we jumped off a bungee jump, you know, <laughs> that yeah. we were bungee jumping. It's like, okay, now <laughs> this is the free fall. Is something going to catch us? And, uh, you know, it's, it's not what we would have imagined 15 years ago, but here's the other thing we do say, I wish we would have started this 15 years ago. Mm, I wish we would have, you know, I wish we would have started this sooner. We say this to each other all the time. So, you know, it's never too late, but don't put it off. If you want to do it, don't put it off. Good. That is good. Oh, Kathy, you're great. Uh, what other things do we need to talk about, Brian? I feel like we've... I think we hit it. Yeah. I do too. I, I think the it. other just main thing was you guys knew your number. You know, you knew what it took mm. to get them out of yep. there and you made it happen. So, I mean, that's that's the other piece, you know. Of, yep. I think a lot of people sit in these ideas or different want different things, but they don't know how to quantify it. And so mm. bringing those numbers to the table is just pretty crystal clear what you need to get them out. And then you made yep. it happen. So, but yeah, 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 that's good. All right. So, so my 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 closing remark is: if you're thinking about it, contact Brian and Philip. They are amazing, and you won't regret it. And uh, even though we kind of had we had our plan in place, and we we he'd quit before I think we contacted you. Um, right. right. But they helped. Uh, I, I like to say we know just enough to be dangerous and what they did was help us not be dangerous, you know, to, um, to put fine points on things, our goals. And, uh, they know the ins and outs of different things that we did not know. And in the end, it's helped us a lot. Um, as far as, as far as, you know, how the business should be to set it up and, and steps that we could take to, solidify our position so that's good yeah, well, we didn't plan we that, so that's that. A, really i appreciate <laughs> yeah. that and you know like it's been just fun for both brian and i just to be able to walk along a lot of families who taken the jump and seeing the fruit of that and seeing like the life just come back into the life and so yeah. if you're yes. thinking about that or you know you want to talk more man reach out to us we'd love to at least encourage you and help you uh take the leap of faith because it's worth it. Yeah. And uh, yes. we're really excited to be able to be a part of many stories uh, that are walking yeah. down their own com- uncommon path. And you and, and Dwayne's, man, I was super excited when we first uh, got introduced to you. And and what I get excited about is the mindset, not about a money or like what's in yeah. your wallet, but a mindset. And you two had yes. it pretty, uh, you were down the path. And so both for <laughs> Brian and I, it was life-giving to be able to 
put some legs and structure around your plan uh, and be able to watch you guys thrive. So congrats. Wow. You're doing awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Until next time, go be uncommon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.